Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, and uh, good morning to you uh, as we begin another another week in these extraordinary times. It's June 15th. Uh, um, well, as usual on Mondays, I'm, I'm left unsure of uh, where to take my first step uh, here. There is so much on my mind and so many things that I would uh, like to share with you. Uh, let me start with, it just seems like the, the need for white people to learn now is so, it's just so paramount. I, I don't think we're going to get another chance. I think this, this is it. We either have the courage now to take it in, to stare our history in the face, to own it, to finally understand how almost every step of our lives has been easier than if we were in black skin. Our inability uh, to recognize the, the privilege of having white skin, how it has impacted us every moment of every day. I saw and I don't remember what it was or why I saw it, I saw a woman addressing um, a group of, a big auditorium of uh, white people. And she asked a simple question. I want anyone of you who would have, I'm not sure, I'm sorry, I'm not sure exactly of the question, who would um, have been willing to live your life as a black person instead of the white person you are. If if there's anyone here who would make that choice of living your life in America as a black person instead of a white person, would you stand up or raise your hand? Nobody, of course. And she persisted in the question. Did you understand my question? And I, you could see some audience uh, members looking very uncomfortable and, and a little confused. She was going to state the question again. What, what aren't we getting here? Would you rather, would you have accepted, would you have wanted to live your life as a black person instead of the white person that you are? Would you make that choice? Nobody moved. 
And then she said, well, then why? Why have you done nothing to correct that? Now, those of you who have really seen that know I'm botching it, but that's the general tenor. And I, I worry it's the, our last chance because I, seeing, listening over the last weeks as I have, I, I don't see how we can do what we've always done in the past, which is, you know, yes, yes, understand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. change a little thing here and there, do a tweak uh, there, but ultimately, nothing much changes. I want to read, um, if you don't mind, <coughs> some things to you. Uh, two, uh, two black. Uh, very rich black people who who I don't know, I mean, I don't know of, um, and I say very rich because to take out a full-page ad in the New York Times uh, would cost, I I can't imagine. But a man named Omar Johnson, who it says here is the founder of Opus United, uh, did so. And it's a letter to white corporate America. Um, And then another black man took out two pages in the New York Times, something that is rare to see. His name is Byron Allen founder, chairman, and CEO of the Allen Media Group. And I'd never heard of that. He says it's a, it is obviously, it's a large media company, owns nine cable networks, including the Weather Channel, uh, does original programming, One of the things he says is, I own my company 100%, not because I planned it that way, but simply because no one was willing to invest in me. Let me read some of what he says. Last night I was sitting in my living room and a convoy of trucks drove by my home filled with law enforcement and National Guard troops. I am a 59-year-old African-American man, and this brought back vivid childhood memories. On April 4, 1968, 18 days before my seventh birthday, I was in the middle of the street in my hometown, Detroit, Michigan, playing urban baseball with my friends using a hubcap as home plate and neighbor's cars as first, second, and third base. That evening, 
I heard my mother and grandmother scream. They killed him. They killed him. They killed Martin Luther King. They killed my Martin. I had never witnessed my mother and grandmother in such emotional pain. Moments later, I turned my head and immediately noticed National Guard troops coming toward me with rifles and bayonets. And before I knew it, I was looking down the barrel of a tank. My mother and grandmother screamed to me, get in the house, get in the house before they kill you. Every kid on the street, including myself, ran as fast as we could. I asked my mother and grandmother, why did they, why did they kill him? And she answered, because they're racist and they would rather kill us than treat us fairly. That was the very moment I lost my innocence. That's how he begins his two. Uh, you know, and he goes on to delineate uh, what America needs to do and needs to hear. Everything from police reform to justice reform to education reform to economic inclusion to jobs to opportunities to mentorships to peace. He ends it with this. Even today, we are protesting to achieve basic civil and human rights we're talking about murder, and you're talking about looting. Your buildings will be rebuilt, and your shelves will be restocked. But you can never bring back the lives you have stolen. America, you kill us in the classroom, you kill us in the boardroom, you kill us in the courtroom long before you kill us in the streets. America, we have been saying peace, peace for over 400 years and you chose to suffocate us. I don't comprehend how some people in this time cannot hear what black people are telling us. Can't, can't hear it. Can't take it in. I don't comprehend it. This time is different. And I think part of what's making it different is that this is, I think, our last chance. Charles Blow, today's New York Times, 
Charles Blow, who an op-ed writer whose whose rage has been evident in his writing for years, just barely contained, and sometimes not. I want to read just a little bit of what he has said. Black people are saying, see me. See what you have done to me and continue to do to me. Stand naked in your sin and stare unflinching at your reflection. You did this. They are saying, stop killing us. And in that, they mean killing in every conceivable way. Stop underfunding our schools and overfunding your police. Stop anti-black bias in all fields. Stop using 911 calls as a deadly weapon. America, just stop. He gives us a little history lesson. Boy, I'm learning a lot of history. It's a different history than I learned in school. If you haven't seen Spike Lee's latest uh, film, I think it's called The Five Bloods. Check it out on Netflix. It's a history lesson. A history lesson not from a white perspective, which is the history we learned and forced black children to learn, but a history lesson from a black American's perspective. Like we never learned this in school. After we freed the slaves... Remember that? Yeah. And we washed our hands of the problem. After we freed the slaves, long after, almost 40 years after, 1898, the state of Louisiana had a constitutional convention. 1898. And the reason, well, here's one of the delegates summarizing the reason, the mission of this convention is, quote, to establish the supremacy of the white race. And so they rewrote their constitution. So White Americans who think, hey, we freed the slaves. A lot of us died. We freed the slaves. What have you done? Come on. What do you want us to do? And what we never learned I never learned it. I learned it a little tidbit of it when I went to college. But if you just went 
to an American public or private elementary school, middle school, high school, you never learned that after we freed the slaves that we created something almost, almost, maybe more, I don't know, horrific. We use terror. Back to Charles Blow. Terror became a tool to keep black people underfoot. And this is the same time of this Louisiana convention, 18, this is the late 1800s. Confederate monuments sprang up everywhere just so they'd know who the heroes are, the guys who owned them, the guys who fought to keep them in chains. Confederate monuments sprang up everywhere. The Ku Klux Klan flourished. Lynchings surged. Oh, but the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh-huh. And what happened after that? Mass incarceration. Man, we always figured some way. Some way. Mass incarceration, which accomplished in some ways even bettered what Jim Crow had attempted to do. Creating further dissolution of the black family, creating disenfranchisement of black voters, creating extraordinary unemployment in the black community and housing restrictions and, well, you know, just overall constant punishment and disrespect. So I finish with Charles Blow. So people are in the streets because they're tired of chopping heads off the hydra. They are tired of fighting this oppression only to see it spring right back or multiply. It is exhausting and infuriating and maddening to be forced to fight always for what others for what for others is free. It enrages when you realize that you're still fighting the same fight that your parents fought and that their parents fought. It is an everyday struggle to neither fall into despair nor explode in anger. So these people are in the streets having their moment, having their say, and America would do well to listen and not try to silence them or soothe them. And then he ends with that chilling 
last line from the viral video I played you last week, Kimberly Jones, saying to white America, you're lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. No, I was thinking today that um, in the sense of, I think this is our last chance, because after this, I, I, I just, I can't imagine. Now, I know there's those on the, uh, you know, the right wing um, who uh, see this heading into some kind of a race, for, race war. In fact, they, they want it. Yes, they're figuring they'll win it. They figure they got the cops on their side. They figure they got an awful lot of government on their side. But I was thinking they should be careful what they ask for because a new race war well, essentially a new civil war in this country it ain't going to be black against white. No way. I mean, I can speak for this white and all, all the other white people I know. We ain't on the white side. We're not going to be on the white side. So this sense of a, yeah, black-white war, I think what so many of the protests are showing us is that a whole hunk, big hunk of white America ain't fighting on the white side. We're fighting on the right side. Two quotes. From two great men, Frederick Douglass. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet depreciate agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the earth. And Martin Luther King Jr. True peace is not merely the absence of tension. It is the presence of justice. I came upon something... um, I came upon something in the Washington Post. <coughs> Again, I feel like I'm back in school. I'm hungry uh, to learn all, all of this American history that I never knew. 
Do you know how many white Americans just this week found out about the massacre, the unbelievable horror that happened in Tulsa? Never heard of it. Our history education, almost to us, every single one of us, was so, so absolutely a propaganda piece. I mean, our history books, our teachers, well, teachers didn't know much any either. either. They've probably never been taught it either. I mean, our history was actively put forward to us to disregard the history of whole swaths of America. People who still make fun of Black History Month. Oh, yeah, you're going to have a Black History Month. Hey, hey. Oh, wow. Okay. The extent of racism in this country is just mind-blowing. There was something that happened in Philadelphia in 1944 during World War II. I mean, there were labor shortages, obviously. Um, the Philadelphia Trans uh, Transit Company, the company that ran the 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 buses, the trolleys. I think they had a subway. In order to keep running, the um, the powers that be said, you know, we're we're going to have to put some black men. God knows there were no women. Got to put some black men into some of these uh, positions. Positions that, of course were reserved for white people only. Like motorman. Like actually driving the thing. And so eight black men were promoted to positions that no black man had ever held before. And you know what happened? All the white workers walked off the job. Four thousand five hundred white employees of the Philadelphia Transit Company, nineteen forty four, stormed into the streets because eight black men had been given a position, which you know would have been taken away from him the minute a white person was available. Local officials summoned the state police. Fights broke out all over the city. People couldn't reach their jobs uh, because there was no transportation. 
The War Department said this strike has affected the production of radar, heavy artillery, heavy ammunition, military equipment, bombs, and other supplies vitally needed because there was that manufacturing going on in Philadelphia. So the war itself was being impacted. Army troops were brought in to seize control of Philly's transit system two days later. Because white folks were freaked out. Because eight black men were given a tiny little step up the ladder. One black man, Charles White, couldn't take it. He ran to where the Liberty Bell is, and he was heard shouting, Liberty Bell? Liberty Bell? Ha! What a lot of bunk! And he hurled a stone paperweight at the Liberty Bell. He was arrested The bell had a little dent in it. Made national headlines. Of course. You got how many 4,000 white guys in the streets shutting down the war effort, shutting down transportation, and one black man throws a one-pound paperweight at the Liberty Bell. That's the national news. He told the judge, I have a brother in the army in Virginia. He has five children, and yet war workers are being kept from their jobs and stopped from turning out equipment necessary to win this war. I want my brother and others in service to have a chance. He was ordered to undergo a mental evaluation. A former New York judge offered to provide a psychiatrist at his own expense to examine Mr. White. He passed. Because there is nothing unstable about publicly proclaiming the ideals and principles for which this nation is fighting, said the psychiatrist. The judge said to him, in some countries you would have been shot right on the spot. This trial proves how far we go in our democratic process to assure everyone of equal rights under the law. Newspaper columnist William Frund said... Here we are, cheering the liberation of the persecuted peoples of Europe. Yet American transport workers, unauthorized by their union, walked off their jobs because a few American Negroes were willing to accept the position of streetcar motormen so they could live, work, and fight for democracy against bigotry and racial intolerance. Just a little 
history lesson again that we are denied, have been denied. And speaking of history, um, don't be expecting uh, Harriet Tubman's face on the $20 uh, note anytime soon. Our Treasury Secretary, uh, Mnuchin, has uh, said over the weekend that, in fact, um, there ain't going to be no new $20 bill until at least 2030. The $10 bill is going to get a reworking. It'll be rolled out in 2026. We'll see if that possibly changes when we go to the polls in November and throw this government out on its ear. Well, here's some good news from the Supreme Court. I got good and bad. The Supreme Court has said in a landmark ruling that the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which I referenced a little bit earlier, which did move things forward, the 1964 Civil Rights Law does protect LGBT workers, gay, transgender, anything. They are protected by federal law forbidding discrimination on the basis of sex. The court also refused to hear a number of Second Amendment uh, lawsuits brought by gun lovers. That's the good news. A little bit of bad news. The Supreme Court has also declined to re-examine what is called qualified immunity. And this is how police get away with murder, literally. Qualified immunity. We're going to talk about it um, at greater length at some point. It's a legal doctrine that has been sort of manufactured out of whole cloth by various courts and judges that essentially just shields police. So, Aaron, who is gay, says, man, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> yeah, we live in the strangest of times in the midst of all of this. Yeah. 
So I believe what this means is that for a state like ours, a backward state, that is to say, what, what, shut up, a backward state that does not have legislation, Pennsylvania does not have legislation on its books protecting LBGT people uh, from discrimination in work, in housing, so that even though there's a right to gay marriage, federal right to gay marriage, um, you know, if you're working for some homophobe outside of Philly and Pittsburgh, which have city ordinances, uh, you can get fired just for being who you are. So uh, this is this is big. It will extend protections to millions of people nationwide, and is a big defeat for homophobes everywhere and the Trump administration. It's a six-three opinion, and get this, written by Justice Gorsuch and joined by Chief Justice Roberts. Gorsuch wrote, (coughs) ours is a society of written laws. Judges are not free to overlook plain statutory commands on the strength of nothing more than suppositions about intentions or guesswork about expectations. In Title VII, Congress adopted broad language, making it illegal for an employer to rely on an employee's sex when deciding to fire that employee. We do not hesitate to recognize today a necessary consequence of that legislative choice. An employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender defies the law. Well, as Aaron said, he couldn't see that coming. Wow. And just for some comic relief, kind of. I retweeted this thing when I saw it, but I also... um, uh, wondered if it was real. It just seemed too ridiculous. Um, so I don't know if it's if it's real or not. Um, but I think it is. I haven't seen anybody say it isn't. I did see that Kellyanne Conway's husband also did what I did, retweeted it, and asked the same question I did was, is this real? And what it is, is an ad on Craigslist. Um, why can't I, here, hang on. An, an ad on Craigslist that's asking for I want to get it right, and I'm sorry it's not coming up on my source. So let me let me get let me go to another source here so I can have this. Here it is. 
Okay, Actors Needed, June 20th, Tulsa. Excited and enthusiastic minority actors, and minorities in caps. Excited and enthusiastic minority actors and actresses, God, they're even sexist on top of it, needed to hold signs at a vent in Tulsa. Send headshot and resume for early consideration. And it actually says this may be applied towards community service if necessary. Could that be true? I mean, yes, because we surely can see Trump's people needing some black people in the audience in Tulsa, having to pay them, buy them, find them first. They don't tell them what it is, but strangely, it's the date of the president's uh, (laughs) Tulsa rally. And they need some minorities, excited, enthusiastic, to hold up signs at an event. Sure, that seems like uh, probably true, probably true. And then, of course, the idea that this repulsive, sick man... is going through with this indoor rally at an arena in Tulsa. And by the way, Oklahoma is one of the states that's seeing a rise in COVID-19. All the health officials in the city and the state are saying, please, please don't do this. And of course, the Trump People are making everybody who comes in sign a waiver saying that if they get sick, if they die, they will not hold Donald Trump or anybody associated with him um, (coughs) responsible. So you have to sign a waiver that you're willing to die to be a prop for Donald Trump. I remember seeing somebody saying that the cult, the cult that surrounds Donald Trump, this cult that is millions of people who've well, drunk the Kool-Aid. Where did that phrase, drink the Kool-Aid, come from? Hmm? Do you remember? We weren't saying drink the Kool-Aid, I don't think before Kool-Aid got passed out by cult leader Jim Jones to all his supporters, many of them held hostage on his island. They drank the Kool-Aid 
they died. And this is the part where the Trump cult gets really astonishingly close to the Jim Jones cult. He is now asking people to drink the Kool-Aid in more ways than one and to possibly die. Aaron writes, Daryl Metcalf's head just exploded. <laughs> In case I wondered what that sound was I heard, yeah. Daryl Metcalf is the uh, Republican legislator from these environs uh, who single-handedly refused to allow any effort to uh, <coughs> get gay LGBT people protected against discrimination in Pennsylvania has kept it off the floor. I don't think it's even made it to the floor ever because Metcalf heads the committee that would have to pass it through to the floor. <coughs> and uh, looks like, well, the Supreme Court just made an end run around him. So, that's amazing. And it's good news. Okay. Um, I don't know if uh, we want to go into this uh you know West Point appearance by the president where again he asked our those graduating cadets to also stop their lives, risk their lives, go into quarantine, return return to campus to serve as props for him when he delivered their graduation address. And finally, it wasn't his mental stuff. This is interesting that the, the, the mainstream media, which has been incredibly reluctant to suggest that there is some, something physically wrong with this guy that is impacting his head, his body, Something is wrong with him. And finally, the physical things, two physical things were so obvious at the West Point graduation that the New York Times today finally said, Maggie Haberman herself said, um, hmm. What was that? Him barely able to walk down a ramp. 
If anyone looked like a doddering, old, scared man, that was him. I mean, every footfall was, you could tell, shaky. That was amazing enough. But the one that was really mind-blowing was the drinking the glass of water. And if you haven't seen that, check it out. Because there's no way any of us, absent some major condition, would drink a glass of water the way he did. And he's been caught doing that before, but nobody talks about it. He raises the glass. This is during the speech to take a drink, raises it with his right hand, heads toward his mouth, and then it stops. And out comes his left hand, which, and a finger, which gets on the bottom of the glass, and it's the left hand that rescues the drink and tips it up just a little bit more to get to his mouth. So the president required two hands to get a glass of water to his mouth. There's no way anybody does that unless something's wrong. We don't know anything about what's wrong with this guy. I mean, we see the symptoms of all kinds of stuff. Outside the mainstream media, we've been throwing back diagnoses left, right, and center. His strange, strange tilted stance. He doesn't in any way present as a healthy, physically healthy human being. We have never been told why he made that quick trip to Walter Reed Hospital in November. And then they, of course, put out a lie. Well, it was just decided to do uh, get a little ahead on the uh, annual physical bullshit. We all know. Bullshit. So... I don't know. Some people are saying Parkinson's. Some people are saying other stuff. I'm sure you talk to any doctor, if you were to see this presentation, what does that potentially tell you about this person? Hey, um, I want to take this uh, time to to reiterate <clears throat> something I told you last week, something wonderful that's going on um, at the August Wilson Center. Um, let me give it its proper correct name, the August Wilson African American Cultural Center. Uh, this is the third year they have presented um, a summer youth writers camp. And they're plowing ahead this year, but, you know, it's altered in that it's going to be um, online. 
but it is taught by a award-winning poet um, and it is available for kids aged 11 to 15. Registration is free. Um, this is the session will run from June 22nd to August 10th. And uh, and rather than you know give you a, a numbers and uh, and uh, sites over you know, over the phone here, just please go to our, our Facebook page where we have, you know, the link or go to the August Wilson Center Facebook page. This is such a great opportunity for kids who want to know how to write, um, are already writers and could use this professional guidance. Um, th these courses really immerse the kids in August Wilson and his unique writing voice and allows these kids to find search <laughs> for their own voices. So um, if you know a kid, 11 to 15, who could benefit from this class, I would um, definitely seek out either my Facebook page or the August Wilson Center. I just wanted to say that um, I was told by um, by the guys back at City Paper that this summer program is really taking off. Um, the session filled, last time I opened my mouth about it, the session filled up and they've now added two more sessions. Um, so... Uh, Take advantage. A lot of other people are. That's great news. Great news. Um, I have a caller? Jeez. Didn't think that was going to happen. Hello. 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 Yes. Um, hey, how you doing? Um, I'm doing good. You know, other than uh, Trump's perfectly fine, other than needing a brain transplant, I mean, other than that, he's okay. I mean, Well, we don't know. No, we don't but, know. I mean, if he thinks he's kidding people that this job hasn't affected him physically and mentally, well, he always had the mental problems, but physically, he's just, I could see it in his face. He's, and like you say, how he walks and all that, he's, it's really affected him. Because when you tell lies, it catches up with you. And he's told so many lies and done so many wrong things. Yeah, I think he's, it's eating him up inside. He don't sleep that much. He don't sleep that much, maybe because he lies so much and he's got a guilty conscience. I mean, it'll eat you up eventually, and then you shrivel up and die. And that's hopefully that's what happens, you know. So, yeah, well, have a good day. You know. Okay. Well, have a good day. Okay. Shrivel okay. up and die. Goodbye. Have a good day. Good Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. Look, I don't want him dying uh, before November. Uh, I don't want him dying because I don't want you know, Pence to come in and uh, he looks so much better, you know, he speaks so much. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to lose the anti-Trump energy uh, that our side uh, is, I don't know how much, relying on um, to get these guys out. 
but uh yeah she's i it's some people have mentioned and i want to mention it too that coverage of the marches protests is way way down do you rem- i mean i i admit i don't watch local news that much um and if you read the post gazette man as we know um they don't put it if they cover it at all, they don't put it on their front page or anything. So I, I've i been wondering, well, it turns out that not just at the local level, at the national level, these marches are not, and some of them are just huge. Still, this weekend, there were some huge marches all over this country. Peaceful marches all over this country. The only ones who get covered are ones where there is some violence, like Atlanta, right? Some violence, because TV, I'm talking about TV more than a TV loves blood, sex, flames, rage, all that stuff. And so if all of these protesters in the streets of this country are doing so without causing any damage, that doesn't constitute news. (laughs) That doesn't constitute news. I guess. Boring. It's boring. And TV doesn't like boring. So stop and think about the import of that. About letting Americans see this passion. Letting them see and maybe hear and maybe learn all the things they need to take in but they're not deemed newsworthy because they're peaceful protests and not riots. I heard somebody the other day calling these things riots. What the hell? They're not riots. And if media doesn't pay attention, then how is America supposed to pay attention? Something extraordinary here, Murraysville, Murraysville, ladies and gentlemen, that's as white a community as there can be. It's way, way, way suburban. It's like exurban. Murraysville. One woman who lives in Murraysville. Biracial. Thought Murraysville should have a march. What audacity. What hope? So she organized one, 
and lo and be- lo and behold, in Murraysville. I don't know if anyone bothered to count. It was, I saw one account said over a hundred. Another account said 300 in Murraysville. Something's happening here. Something's happening here. But we do need media to report it. Do I have another caller? Caller, go ahead, please. Yes. Yes, hi. this is Father Joseph. Hey. Oh, Father um, Joseph, hi. Hi. I think there are some things. You're right. I think there there is something happening here. Um, I, and I think what it is, it seems to me, is that people feel um, more empowered to uh, let their voices be heard in ways that uh, um, haven't been so in the past. Now, I'll give you an example. Students at the University of Texas, Lisa Athletes, were saying they, they don't, there's some things about University of Texas they haven't appreciated. Um, the Texas song has some, the eyes of Texas are upon you, has uh, some racist overtones and some of the athletes are questioning that. Um, huh. You know, there, So there are a number of different things that are happening in a conversation. I remember a friend of mine, um, once we were talking about plantations, and he asked me if I had visited the Mount Vernon one. We didn't live too far from there. And uh, I said, no, we don't do plantations. And that led that led to a long conversation, <laughs> and he was trying to he was trying to say, well, you know, uh, George Washington really they really didn't want the slaves, and he treated them really well. I said, please, let's not go there. Let's not let's not do this <laughs> because I don't think you. And and, and he and then finally he said, no, you you weren't you weren't like this before, and and and, and that that particular comment reminded huh. me of. Um, someone responding to, well, as long as you were okay with the way I see the world, right. uh, you, were, you were all right. But now that you're speaking up, I'm uncomfortable. And so, you know, you, know, you weren't like this before. It has a, has a very interesting way of saying that. And it, it, has, it, it, it conveys a, a very, um, I don't know, arrogant meaning to me. Uh, well, yeah. It, it, he, the suggestion is that you're, uh, you're getting to use a uh, a term uppity. No? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, you're and, getting and, and, outspoken. You're like all of a sudden, yes, you're okay. expressing what? Some measure of anger or uh, not allowed? Not allowed, yeah, yeah. And so I think what's happened here is that um, people are a little bit surprised about some things that they're hearing now because they, people didn't feel free enough. Uh, they didn't have enough um, avenues by which to communicate their anger um, but and, and their dissatisfaction of the injustice. And so I think that makes a big, big difference. Uh, so you, and, do you think even thing. more so you think even more black people are speaking out now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not too long ago, I got a, a note from someone saying, you know, I don't know what to think in the media, but now that I hear about your own personal story, and because you're someone I know and trust and respect, it really is starting me to think. And I thought, well, that, in other words, there's someone who, with whom they feel as though they can have a conversation with without me saying, okay, you're a racist. What I can say is, does racism exist? And here's what's happened to me. They go, happened to you? To you too? Then it's, it, it, it's an eye-opening uh-huh. event for them. Well, so you're in a position to, to really teach a lot of people, if you care to. I'm sure we're talking about sure. you teaching white people, and it I know a lot of black people are saying, hey, it ain't for us to educate you. 
white people should be educating white people. Uh, and and I, I remember someone sending a note asking me um, uh, what they could do. A senior leader asked me once, say, what can I do? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not African-American. What, what can I say or do? I said, you know what? It, 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 it's good. It's, it, it's, it's, people hear it uh, when it comes from me, but they listen when it comes from you. And here's why, because you're saying, you know what, this isn't right. Uh, you know, they, they expect me to say it's not right. They feel like I have, uh, to lack a better term, I have skin in the game. But, but, but for them, once they, we say, well, hey, this, this affects all of us, and this is not right, then, then there's an awareness, hey, wait a minute, this person is like me, and they're saying this isn't right, and there's someone I respect. And so, yes, I think it's, it's helpful when people of uh, all hues um, uh, talk about injustice and, and say this is not important. This is important, and it affects all of us. That's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing. That's why the, the, the marches now are so important in that they're diverse. And so, uh, and also, I will, I'll be honest with you, it's a level of protection here. When you start attacking, <laughs> start attacking people who are, aren't all black, then there's yeah. going to be a higher concern. <laughs> so, well, that's why a lot of the marches are positioning white people at the at the front in some respects, so that the cops will have to go after them, the white folks uh, first. I think they should. I think there should be an army of old white ladies like me that you know would would be that you can't mow down or bludgeon old white women, can you? Maybe they could. If 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 you would do that, and there was a, 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 a phalanx of, 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 of uh-huh. old white women doing that, the, the, the cops would take both knees. So, so you, I think you're right. <laughs> you, you're pro- <laughs> well, I'd be willing. I would. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, always a joy. Well, thank you. Thank you for your voice. I appreciate it. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. And I believe we have one more call. Caller, go ahead. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, Susie from Swiss Home. I finally have a day off so I can listen to you. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I truly believe that um, the, only, the only reason that even the local news is covering some of the marches here is because they create traffic jams. Or they're yeah, waiting for something bad to happen. Right. You, know, you got to have the itself. cameras there because something might happen. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, if it... If, Why, are they, are they covering a lot of, like, angry uh, white people in cars who can't... Get, are they? I mean, I don't watch the local news. I need to do that bit more now. I just... They, they just stand there and say, people are marching... You know, and it's clogging up the street over here. And that's basically it. Um, it doesn't seem like they're interested in talking to too many people to see mm-hmm. why they're doing this or what it's all about. And, mm-hmm. you know, something where there's like even a little bit of investigation. Oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> um, it's just it's just so annoying. But it's. It's in so many people are marching in tiny towns in the middle of nowhere. I know, I know. Over the country, I know. Um, my sister lives in Albuquerque, and and she talks about the marches in all the little little towns around her. Um, and if it wasn't for COVID nineteen, I'd be out there with them. But 
Mm-hmm. I helped to take care of my 93-year-old mother who yeah. got COPD, and I'm not, I'm no, not going to give no, her no, anything. No. Of course not. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I hope this just keeps going. They need to keep, keep it going. Yeah, um, and hopefully I, not, too, not too many people get sick. Yeah, I hope so. Well, you know, I think much of the spike that's going on is not about this at all. It's about uh, all these uh, southern and southwestern states not not doing the thing they were supposed to do to um, to try to uh, you know ameliorate the virus's spread. They 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 thought it was uh, together. Yeah, you know, okay, so they're they're reaping what they what they sowed. I remember, you know, just a month ago or so, uh saying that a lot of these folks in in the south and these go- Republican governors, they think that this virus is like an urban thing that's killing off all, you know, Democrats and black people. So wonderful. I mean, sure they thought it was wonderful. And it wasn't here. Yeah. They kept saying, "We don't have it here." And I remember thinking, well, just wait. <laughs> it's yeah. coming. It's coming. My it takes God. Two weeks to incubate for the, most, for the most part. Yeah. So, okay. I thank you. I'm glad you got to right. stay you. off. Bye. Bye bye. 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 And um, is that, that's it? Okay. I think. Um, I guess that's uh, that's all the Allegheny County uh, report has come out. We have uh, seven uh, more cases in Allegheny County reported since uh, yesterday, and uh, there have been no additional deaths for, I mean, I look at this thing every day, I think for about four days, which is good. I mean, we are, we happily are living in one of the one of the areas that seems to have a pretty good uh, handle on this at this point. But my reaction to that is don't screw it up by pretending it's over because it's not. It just is not. Okay. Well, I guess that's it, I think. I want to thank you all and... Uh, And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. I think my sister will be joining us. Okay? Have a great day. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.